Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Sane Show, the show about nothing and everything. I'm your host, Cliff. And today I have a really, really, really special guest joining us today. I have former Hollywood agent, producer, and executive. Some of his previous clients include Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ray Romano, Kevin James, Chuck Russell, some of our favorites, and many others. He's produced The Call, starring Halle Berry, and was instrumental in putting together The Shawshank Redemption, The Mask, Terminator 3, among many other films. He is one of the founders of Big Three Hollywood Agency, United Talent Agency, also known as UTA, and is now uh, the CEO of Roberry Media, Robert Stein. How are you doing, Robert? Hi, fine, and how are you today, Cliff? I am well. I'm not going to lie. I'm surprised I nailed that. (laughs) (laughs) You did great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, And thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the same show. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to have you on and have the conversation that we're going to have today. Thank you. I'm honored. Should be fun. Awesome. (laughs) Really quick, before I jump into it, I want to take and shout out all of our listeners in all 60 plus countries around the world. Thank you guys. I love you guys for continuing to like share and subscribe to the same show means a lot i really appreciate it i love you guys and if you're listening and you don't already follow us on social media be sure to check us out on instagram and twitter at sane underscore show that's sane s-a-n-e underscore show and then on facebook you can find us at sane show again it's sane show on facebook so today we're going to be having a conversation about figuring it out We're also going to have a conversation about agents. And then following those two segments, we're going to have an interview with you, Robert, so that the listeners and I can learn more about you, the things you do, and all the fun and exciting things that go along with that. Great. First segment, figure it out. This uh, this is one of my favorite things about you you in our first conversation. And you've said this quite a few times, too. And and a lot that you've done, you've, you've figured it out, right? And when I think about, think a lot of, you know, my mind goes to skill versus will, right? And like I said, you know, when we've when we're figuring things out, oftentimes we don't have the skill, so we have the we gotta have the will to learn that skill or to learn whatever it is that we're trying to figure it out. And me personally, you know, I don't think a lot of people nowadays, and this is me being biased, you know, I don't think a lot of people really have that in them to want to figure things out. I mean, I can think for myself that there's a lot of situations, you know, even being a podcaster, like having to figure it out, navigating this industry, having to figure it out, how to get to this person or that person, you know, how to pull this off, how to pull that off and and ultimately getting to that end goal. So really just want to have a conversation with you and, you know, get your thoughts on it when we talk about, again, figuring things out, Uh, especially again, you've have had a lot of success. You're still very successful and you figured a lot of things out for yourself. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, thank you for that intro. I appreciate it. Yeah. You know, I, th- I think your assessment is correct. I think oftentimes people feel that the proper skill set uh, will help figure things out. And often they do. For me, I did not and could not learn in a classroom setting. So I didn't uh, ever go to classrooms, (laughs) college or high school or any of that stuff didn't matriculate. So I was put in the position of trying to figure things out. 
life is kind of interesting and as much education as you can get is important, but it doesn't always tell you how to, to operate within the confines of day-to-day business. You have to be inventive and creative and kind of uh, willful. You know, I'm fond of saying that as a creator and a salesman more than anything else, um, because we're all salesmen of some part, even those who are creative. That's true. (laughs) We're all selling, selling, selling all day long. Even as an agent, this is my motto. All day long, you get no, 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 no. How about no? What do you think about no? I, I got a client, no. That's what happens all day long. If you're a creator, I wrote this script, no. I think it's really good, no. I, wrote, I want to do, play this role, no. All day long, the world throws no at you. Around four o'clock in the afternoon, you get a maybe. The job is to take a no and turn it into a maybe and a maybe into a yes. Mm. That's the job. That's the job we all have, no matter what it is that we do. Take a no, because that's what you're going to get. Turn it into a maybe. Turn the maybes into a yes. And what that requires is to kind of figure out why you're getting a no, or who can say yes, or who can say maybe, or because there's very few people who can say yes. Most people can say no. Almost 95% of the people you deal with in everyday transaction will be able to say no. They can't say yes. So the trick is to get that no, turn it into a maybe, and a maybe into a yes. And what that requires is, as you had said, a willfulness. You have to, you can't just stop because they say no. Well, that's just one person's opinion. Uh, I'll find another person who, who agrees with me, who at least will be open to it. And that's the kind of willfulness that, that I'm talking about when I, when I say, you know, you, you got to figure it out. You got you to figure out who's the right guy to tell you the, what you want to hear and how you can get to where you want to get. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the game. Yeah, that's that's so true. I, I'm I'm just over here being a sponge right now. So Okay. <laughs> and that and what you said is so much so much wisdom and I, you you really hit it on the head when you talk about you know, we're all salesmen in our own way. And it's so funny because you know, I, I have a background in, you know, in sales, you know, from B to C. I've I've sold cars, I've you know, I've done business sales and I've even managed and you know, I was thinking about this last night. I said, you know, my my sales skills have been very critical in my success in the industry because one, the you gotta have a will to make it in sales, one. And not and not give up and be able to take no after no after no and find a way to get to the yes, you know, getting to the right people. And so every I mean, it was all of what you said resonated with me. I mean, it hit home. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I think the other piece of it is failure. Uh, yeah. You got to you got to embrace failure. You mm-hmm. got to look at failure as a pathway to success. That's what failure is. Failure is not the end. Failure was the beginning. When they say no or you fail, that's when you begin. There's a Muhammad Ali quote that I absolutely love, and I don't know if your listeners are familiar with it or, or, or you are, Cliff, but Muhammad Ali quote uh, that I really embrace, and it goes in something like this. Ain't no shame in getting knocked down. Just shame and not getting back up. 
I love that mm. quote. That's what we do every day. We get back up because all the world does is knock you down. Every now and then there's a shining light, but most of it's like getting knocked down and picking yourself up. And you got to love that. You know, you got to embrace failure. You got to embrace the no and not be afraid of it. It's just on the pathway to success. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like we've, like I've talked about with other guests on this show, you know, especially when we talk about failures and learning to embrace, because if you hit it out the park the first time, what did you learn versus not, not getting it? You learn and you, okay, I know where I, where I need to do better next time or how to go about this. I, I always like to go back to the, there was a quarter million dollar pitch to the Coca-Cola company that we didn't get. We came very close, we didn't get. And it hurt me, I'm not gonna lie, but I learned from it. I look back at it and it's like, yeah, I'm glad it, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. And there was a lot <laughs> to be learned and taken from that. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, it's, you're, you're preaching to the choir. I agree with you completely. You, you didn't get that one, you get the next one. Right. Exactly. And you probably did get the next one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did it a whole lot more. <laughs> Good. That's the game. That's the game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think rather than, I'm not sure if I completely agree with you. Um, I, I would phrase it slightly different about the current environment. People aren't willing to figure it out. <laughs> I think uh, I would rather say they're too willing to take a no. Because, okay, no, well, I guess that's not going to work. Well, that's the end of it. If you want to play that game, I'm a believer in, in no, it's just a pathway to maybe. Um, you, you gave me something to think. <laughs> okay. You gave yeah. me, you really gave me, you gave me a nugget to think on. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> so, if I had any words of wisdom, I would say toughen up your skin, put on your big boy pants or big girl pants, put on your fighting gloves and get ready to face the world because. Uh, no one's going to give it to you. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to take it, but you got to fight for it. Amen. There it is. All right, we're back. Now we're going to have a conversation about agents. And I've been waiting to have somebody like yourself on the show who's experienced as an agent and television and film so you know two birds and one stone here <laughs> and yeah when we first talked you gave me some great insight and you know definitely gave me some things to chew on and you know i definitely wanted you to uh take and share you know some of that insight with the listeners just based on your personal experience um and then me speaking as a as a fan of the industry you know i've always been very fascinated with agents and what they do and you know which is a a large part in why I have such an interest in entertainment and, you know, watching shows like Entourage and even though Dwayne Johnson wasn't an agent, but a show like Baller, right, that was produced by the same people that produced Entourage. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to you, you know, the, <laughs> the one who's okay. done it all. <laughs> well, uh, let's start with the, you know, the definition or my definition of what an agent does. So or what an agent is, or what an agency is. <clears throat> so you have to kind of look at it as an agent as the middleman, the middle ground, the, the, the middleman between the business and the creative. And there's a marketplace. Agents have to understand what that marketplace is, 
how it functions in, you know, the larger agencies. That there are many of young agents that go out and bring back information. They go out, literally go to the studios and walk the halls. They make telephone calls to uh, and connect with and e correspond with through email, various studio executives, producers, other talent, and so on and so forth, so that they're gathering information about what's in the marketplace, what's available. And then the agents take that information and try to fill the needs of the marketplace and try to bring their clients into the marketplace. And then <clears throat> with their knowledge base about what the marketplace is and where their clients fit in the marketplace, they're able to value the services of their marketplace, of their client. Then the trick is to get the buyers, the marketplace, to agree to, you know, the dollars and cents or the various terms and conditions of employment. First of all, to hire and then to, to agree to the terms. Along with that, there's something called career guidance. You, you want to be able to put your clients uh, into a, a progression of projects that will help their, their career move forward. What happens uh, off, uh, that I have seen too many times uh, is that the young agents uh, who matriculate up to a more mature agents and have developed clients that become somewhat in demand uh, forget that they're the middleman and forget that it's not them that's in demand, that it's the client that's in demand. And that they want to think of themselves more important than the client. And that is the death knell of an agent. And you have to remember as an agent that you're in the service business and you 100% of the time and you have to service them and it runs the service them, your clients. You know, you have to help them get what they want, but it's their world and you, you know, you, you can advise them and you can consult with them and you can suggest that this project is not good enough for them or at this part, even though they're a little bit nervous about this project, it's a great project because it's got the right producers and directors in the studio or the script is good. Uh, and that comes from your knowledge of the, of the marketplace. The talent doesn't have that knowledge. Almost most of the talent doesn't have that knowledge because they're not day-to-day -day in reading scripts on all areas of the business. So they don't really know the full throttle, if you will, of the marketplace. And, that, and it's your job to kind of enlighten them and to let, let them know. And when they, they you know, want more than you think you can get, you have to be careful about how you you frame that with them but because the ultimately you want to put them to work to progress their career. But, you know, it requires having a certain tact to explain not only what the marketplace is, but where your clients fit into the marketplace. Some clients are unrealistic. You know, I, I don't know. One, I, I was thinking about telling a, a story about the uh, young actress who gets the, uh, the, the role. Um, I think I've, I've shared that story with you. I don't know if you want me to tell that story yeah, or yeah, not. Please, please, okay. please. Well, so to understand an agent, you really have to understand your role. And as I say, you're, you're subservient to your clients. You're, you're supposed to counsel them and so on and so forth. But clients are all over the place. And uh, I've done Cliff, this story about it's 
more of a euphemism than story about, you know, as a senior agent, you have a young ingenue who gets her first big role in a movie. And as all young ingenues are, they're often very self-obsessed. <clears throat> but as an agent, you know, senior agent, you got to take, them seriously and let them know you believe them so you take them to dinner and you go to the restaurant and you sit down and the 22 year old young ange you know who's just got this role shows up 15 minutes late okay and she comes rushing in and she sits down and you say you want a drink and she starts me 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 you want some salad me 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 you want to order them Dinner, me, 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 me. This goes on, me, 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 through the main course, me, 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 me. Finish the main course. You want to look up, me, 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 dessert, me, me, me. Finally, after an hour and a half, me, 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 me. From this young ingenue, the check comes, and she looks at you and she says, "Enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me?" And unless you are willing to do that, unless you are willing to be subservient to that talent because it isn't about you it's about them and if you don't get that then don't be an agent that's the world now i'm being exaggerating here and there's great people <laughs> who have a lot more you know compassion for the agents today and friendships and loyalties and so on and so forth but um you know it is a it is a business where you're uh, in the service business they pay you a lot of money and they I expect a lot of from you, but it's worth it. It's a great opportunity to be and understand many aspects of the business. It's a good living and, uh, you know, you can get some important things done. You can help people get movies made, you know? So let me ask you this question here, uh, aside from yourself, <laughs> who, uh, who, who would you say is a standout agent? or was a standout agent in your, in your opinion, and why so? You know, I, I'm not sure I, I'm going to answer that one. Uh, <laughs> I, rather than giving you some names, I think there over the years been many great agents, the guys that I started the company with. But it goes back to, you know, Lou Wasserman was a great agent. Agent he had a, before he ran and bought Universal, and Jules Stein, and... The history of J. David Beagleman and Freddie Fields. There's been great agents all through the history of our business. Um, so uh, I don't think I want to talk about somebody who's currently functioning or understood. Understood. Yeah, I think the history. <laughs> don't is, want to put anybody out there. <laughs> no, I mean, no. My my opinion is not w w w worth it. Understood. Every, everybody's good. All right, we're back. <laughs> I've, I'll say hmm. I've been, I've really been enjoying this. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you some questions so that the okay. listeners and I can learn more about you, the things you do and all the fun and exciting things that go along with that. So I'm going to fire hmm. off with this first question. You said that the opportunities that you created for yourself may not exist now because companies now require college degrees and a certain amount of experience for entry-level positions, I can only tell you how annoyed I've, I, I've been by that. <laughs> how does mm. that make you feel about people who, like yourself, 
can figure it out, but don't have any experience or not the necessary experience and have no desire to attend college as well. Well, I, I would like to slightly retract what I said. I, I think the opportunities exist to do kind of what I do. It, it isn't as wide open as it used to be because in today's era, there's such large companies that control so much of the business, whether it's the agencies or the studios or the streamers, and they require a level of, because of their size, a level of education, so on and so forth. But there's still the opportunity to start small and by yourself, which I did, and build from, from there. Uh, it's just, it's not as easy, it's not as wide open as it was when, when I started. There was no monstrous big agencies. There was three networks. There was no cable. There was the studios, uh, which you had to figure out how to access. But um, So I think it's the opportunities do exist, but they're not as robust as the potential is not as much uh, is there. And the access to the industry is uh, today is much more corporate than when I started. So Backtrack again. You can you repeat the last part of the question? So how does that make you feel? Oh yeah. My, how does it make feel? <clears throat> well, I still think. Going to go back to the first part of the conversation. I still think it's all about how aggressive, not in a negative sense, in a positive sense, you cannot be uh, in out in putting it together. It makes me feel like that. So, for instance. I was on the phone with my nephew, kind of a step-nephew, who wanted me to get involved because in a project because he didn't know any of the players. You know, I turned to him and said, well, look, this is not something that I want to do, but that doesn't prohibit you. You know who all the players are. Pick up the phone and call them and figure out how to get to them and keep at it. You know, are you saying to me, you can't figure out how to get somebody to read your script at this company. I just don't believe you. I, I just don't believe that's true truth. So I think part of what you were saying before, and then I slightly uh, changed, the will is prevalent out there as it was. The business is much bigger, but I still think there's people who go out and grab themselves by the bootstraps and go make it happen every day. Uh, are not force-fed and recognize that it's about the will of your personality and the will of your desire to get something done. And just like in my day, there was plenty of people who, who just didn't have that will and were satisfied getting up every day and getting a paycheck. That's not, was never my thing. Not that it's good or bad, but I think, uh, I, I think it doesn't, I don't have a value judgment on other people's desires. I can only say what I think one should do. And when you ask me if I'm going to do something, I'm going to say, well, you, you do it. You can do it. Why do I have to do it? You, you're as smart as I am. Go out there and do it. And my next question to you, having come from a family of immigrants that escaped Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. uh, how does it feel having come from such humble beginnings and to become so successful what goes through your mind when you reflect on your life journey and legacy? Well, I would argue with the premise of the question, I have never seen myself as successful. 
You know, I have a twin sister, and one of the questions that people always ask you when you're a twin is, so what's it like to be a twin? And it took me about 50 years before I knew how to answer. And the answer that I finally came up with, well, before when I wasn't a twin, well, how the heck would I know what it's like not to be a twin? I've always been a twin. So it's just what I I am. And I don't know any different than being raised with an immigrant family. What I was able to do was, you know, learn from it and uh, exploit it and use it and uh, relish the cultural embodiment of that. I guess I, you know, I, I would argue for me that the death knell of success is believing that you're successful. Once you believe you're successful, there's nothing else to do. I, I've never believed I'm successful. I basically have always believed that I'm a failure. And then I just go from one failure to the next failure. The failures get bigger, and I succeed a little bit in putting them away. But, uh, you know, and the great part for me is that I've learned to be okay with the failure, you know. <laughs> it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, just It's just the pathway to success, you know. And I don't know how you define success. I feel kind of more closer to answering your question. I feel lucky that I was raised in an environment where we had a different culture than uh, many of the children that I went to elementary school or high school with who maybe maybe that's what motivated motivated me. So I guess what what goes through your mind when you do reflect on your, your life journey and legacy? Well, <laughs> I don't do a lot of time reflecting on it. I got other things I want to do. <laughs> I'm not spending time thinking about the past. I'm not a person who has too many regrets in life. Mm-hmm. A few, very few. I try not to because I there's nothing I can do about stuff right. that I fucked up about, you know. Yeah, uh, totally understood. <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward. I'm not over with yet. I haven't succeeded yet. I'm still the 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 book hasn't been finished. The last chapter isn't written yet. As a matter of fact, the last four or five or six, seven chapters haven't been written. I like the, I like the drive. Mm. I love mm. it. <laughs> mm. So. A lot of times when people think of Hollywood agency, they think of Ari Gold from HBO's Entourage, played by Jeremy Piven and loosely based on Hollywood agent, now CEO of Endeavor, Ari Emanuel. From your personal experience as an agent, how relatable did you find the character Ari Gold? Well, I think you used the proper word, loosely based. (laughs) I don't think it's anything else like that. Other than Mm -hmm. that, I think it's loosely based. You know... I watch the show, but not all that often. Um, mm-hmm. There's a show on uh, Call My Agents. It's a French show that's on Netflix, I think it is. And uh, a lot of people who have watched it and ask, what do I think of it? Well, it's kind of good. It doesn't really have your day-to-day kind of life. You know, you as an agent, you get up, you're, you start your call your day between 5.30 and 6. You, you got to work out to get some health going <laughs> And you're in a staff meeting at 8 o'clock and you have 20 people asking you a lot of different questions. And then get back to your desk, you try to read the trades and you end up, in my day, it's a little bit different now, Mm -hmm. end up with 250 telephone calls a day. And then, you know, you're fielding a lot of incoming and you're trying to create outgoing, you know, so that you're you're not just getting sucked into the phone on other people's issues. You're dealing with creating new business. And... You don't get calls all day long to tell you how great things are. You get calls, there's a problem, you got to fix it. There's this, there's that, there's he didn't show up on time, he's late, 
he hates the script, they're not going to give me enough money, uh, whatever it may be, and you've got to deal with that problem all day long. That's what, that's what the job is. Uh, it seems glamorous, and, and there is some glamour to it, but after you've been to your 75th screening, it ain't glamorous, it's work, <laughs> you know. After you've been to your 200th cocktail of, of, of a young actor, it ain't glamorous. It's just not. After you've walked the studios for 25 years, it's just not glamorous. It's just work. It's hard work. It's like everybody yeah. else. <laughs> uh, well, it's different now because a lot of it is, well, during COVID, it's different, but a lot of it is done over emails. I mean, you know, I remember when we got a fax machine. That was a big deal. One of my, one of my companies, <laughs> you know. Uh, so it's, it's really different, you know. You, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't imagine. Uh, I, I was in an agency 18 months ago. I had, go, had a meeting before COVID, and it was so interesting. It was William Morris, actually. And I was um, walking down the, the divider where all of the assistants were, and the phones weren't ringing, and everybody was on their computer. The image of my time in, is that the phones would be ringing constantly, and the secretary, John on two, Steve on three. You know, that would be going on. That was not going on there. So, you know, I think it's changed a lot. It's a lot of correspondence by email and text and so on and so forth. And then, you know, the whole COVID thing has changed things a lot with the Zooms and so on. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> that, was, that was a great answer. Okay. Uh, my final question, and this uh, is the big question. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> You're one of the founding members of United Talent Agency. Yes one of the big three talent agencies in Hollywood. Yes. UTA turned 30 this past January. What are your thought what were your thoughts about the agency during your tenure? And does UTA still remain to be what you guys envisioned it to be 30 years ago? In the first five or six years, as all companies that are merger based which was what UTA was. Um, it was a merger of the company that I had for about 15 years with uh, two other partners and a company that was a few years old or a few years old. And there was six of us partners. And um, I think our ambitions were very big. I, I don't, I think that it has been realized. I think that that they have done a magnificent job, and it's a great agency. I also think that the agency business today is substantively different than the business uh, we started out 30 years ago. You know, there were no streamers. The The internet was just in this infancy. There, you know, cable was just coming online, was online for several years. But you, you don't, the studios still ran things you didn't have fox news you don't you know you didn't fox there, there wasn't in a fox you know it was owned by in that day marvin davis uh, there was no you know fourth network jamie kellner put that together so the revenue streams were not as broad as they are now you know when you think about ip which was a word we didn't think about in those days how many uh, ways you can exploit it. Some recently it was looking on the 10 most exploitable, exploited um, IPs in the media world. And I think three or four of them were video games. 
three or four of them were, you know, books, Harry Potter, and all that's, you know, when you think about that was originally a book and movies and video games and theme parks and so on and so forth. That type of infrastructure that allowed you to exploit content IP in multiple arenas didn't exist. And the agencies have had to change to adapt that, to have specific departments that can deal with that type of IP. You know, just a different world uh, than it was 30 years ago when we started the agency, which was principally actors, writers, directors, and television motion pictures. That was the principal business. The music business has exploded in the last 30 years beyond just the concerts with, you know, the streaming and and the merchandising and so on and so forth. And so it's just a completely different world than it was at that time. And I would say that UTA has more than realized what our vision was 30 years ago. I can, based on what you just shared, I can definitely agree with that. And I I would imagine it has to be a great feeling. So they, um, (laughs) good for for everybody. Everybody made a buck at it. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. And uh, you know, I really enjoyed having you on the show. And I mean that when I oh. say that. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank uh, you for giving again. me the opportunity, Cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm honored to have you as a guest as well. Um, so, okay. you know, so, yeah, definitely uh, thank you again. I, uh, I know the listeners are going to enjoy this one. And listeners, thank, thank you. you guys. For continuing to, again, like, share, subscribe, and spread the word about the same show and uh, continuing to tune in. I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. And you, you guys are listening to Sane Show, show about nothing and everything. And until next time, we're out. Talk to you soon, Cliff.